Hello, everyone. Hey, welcome to my Headshot Photography podcast. Today, I have honor and I'm so honored to have special guests. Uh, we just discussed this a few seconds ago that I couldn't believe that you accept my invitation and you agreed to talk to me. You are an icon when it comes to portrait photography. I've been following you for many, many years. You've been my inspiration for a long, long time. Um, I, don't, I don't think you even need an introduction, but welcome, Matthew Jordan-Smith, to my uh, podcast. And yeah, thank you for finding time to talk to me. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So let's, let's jump into, I have tons of questions for you. Um, so my first question is, can you tell me about your path into photography field? Like how this whole thing started, oh. what drawn you into photography? I know you've been long, long time photographer. So it's not, this is something you just started, you know, a week ago. Uh, you've been doing this <laughs> for many, many years. You've been working Maybe. with some amazing people, amazing celebrities. So how this whole thing started? I've got to attribute everything to my father, really, as, as a kid. Uh, you know, I was born in New York City. Um, and then at the age of seven, my family moved from, from New York to the South, uh, to Columbia, South Carolina. And at that point, it was traumatic for me as a kid. You know, I felt like I was out of place, I guess. And my father saw that and uh, his hobby was photography. And he he started showing me how his camera worked and um, I was intrigued by it. And then little by little, I started, you know, learning more and more and more. And then eventually he gave me my own camera. And, uh, and then as I got more into it, he turned the family dark uh, bathroom into a makeshift uh, dark room. Uh, the kids' bathroom, anyway, and taught me how to process my own pictures. And I think the combination of like having that that visual voice, mm -hmm. where I felt like when I felt like I didn't fit in, and uh, then express myself that way visually was as exciting. And then able to process my own pictures also was also exciting. And that pulled me into this crazy, crazy world. Now, you know, I've been doing it professionally now for thirty five years. Wow. And uh, I know it sounds crazy to say that 35 years, like what, 34, 35 years. <laughs> and, and I love it. I, I, I was actually uh, looking through my archive last night and just like, wow, you know, you take some stuff for granted, but it's been a long time. And, and I and I absolutely love it. Um, it's always exciting. I, I just got back from a pretty crazy trip. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I've only traveled three times during COVID. I was traveling every month before COVID, but uh, I'm, I'm based in Japan now. I'm based in Tokyo, okay. Japan. And uh, so I took a, an assignment going to Italy. It's just going to be a one-week trip, super fast. So I, I took the trip. Uh, it was fantastic. You know, uh, we were shooting in a castle, living in a castle. Um, and then to come back, I had to, of course, take a, I live in Japan, it's very strict in terms of COVID. So I take a, mm -hmm. a test to, to get back in the country, took the test in Italy, passed the test, and I was connecting through uh, Helsinki, Finland. Mm -hmm. And in Helsinki, they stopped me and said, oh, we don't, uh, we don't like this type of test. Can you take another test? So I took a, a, a real PCR test mm -hmm. and that came back positive. 
Oh, wow. And that changed everything. And in Finland, you can't board a plane for 10 days once you test positive. So here I am. So I had a, like an hour and a half, you know, connection flight and end up being stuck. It wasn't 10 days. It was 15 days. 15 days. So I just got back last week, actually. And, oh, wow. Uh, and uh, and so your email about the pot, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, let's 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 do this. <laughs> <laughs> so I hit you in the right time. That's that's you did. It. it was perfect timing, actually. Like I just got back. Oh <laughs> wow! Fighting jet lag, but I feel good now finally. Okay, so like, were you sick during that time? Like, did no? I I had like uh, I guess uh, a runny nose the first like maybe three <laughs> days, and that was really about it. Okay. Um, well, that's, that's not true. I had a slight fever, I think, also the mm -hmm. first few days, but I didn't know it. Uh, I didn't know I had the COVID at all. Uh, and, you know, I've had colds that are much worse, but I've had all my shots also. So I don't want to downplay mm -hmm. that because I know, uh, you know, we've lost a lot of people in, uh, during this pandemic. Um, I was thinking I'm just really blessed that I had, you know, all my vaccinations and in, Pol in Poland, in, in, uh, in Finland, to get in the country, you mm. have to have all your shots also. Oh, uh, so that was kind of tricky. I'm like, okay, if I didn't have my shots, what would they have done? Because they wouldn't even let me in you know, the country if I didn't have uh, and could prove that I had all my vaccines. I'm like, wow. So it was a pretty interesting trip. And travel has changed a lot. I've, I've been on three trips during COVID. Mm. I got COVID twice on out of those three trips wow i know crazy right out That's of three crazy. trips i got COVID twice well COVID one likes it, I guess. One... <laughs> it's just it's crazy it's so how the like if we are speaking of COVID, like how did COVID impact your photography and your business like oh because may, may, in canada major. we were like really uh, put to our knees because of the restrictions and lockdowns and then the vaccinations, like nobody knows what's going on. And I think yeah, a lot of photographers, idea. not to mention, you know, like you couldn't shoot, you couldn't basically do anything. And then you just like, okay, what I'm going to do? Cause you know, it's, you're losing income, you're losing some stream of money coming in everyone is losing their mind um not That's to mention true. this disease right so so how how that impact you and how did you kind of survive it, this it, whole thing? it was intense uh like i said before i was traveling once a month either to the states mm -hmm. or to europe like before covid my my normal schedule was you know uh 11 trips to the states a year mm -hmm. um and like 2019, I did 11. I think 2010, I did 10 trips to the States, you know, back and forth. So I was always living on the plane in the airports, mm -hmm. uh, traveling a lot. It's been that way my entire career. Oh, wow. Um, which is kind of wild to think about that. But COVID, of course, brought that to a complete halt. Mm -hmm. uh, couldn't travel at all. And business came to a standstill. Mm-hmm. My saving grace was I, I have a private uh, photography course. It's called Photography Lighting Course. Uh, mm -hmm. Same website, photographylightingcourse.com. And in that course, I have an online course, and it's where I teach lighting. I'm known for lighting. Mm -hmm. And 
I added something brand new because number one, it was it was a, a weird time for everybody. I started doing a live training session every week. So every week we jump on Zoom and we still do. So I started doing live sessions once a week with all my students and we still do it now. And it was a savior for me. It was mm -hmm. a savior for all the students They're from all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, the, the course is pretty intense, but we have sessions every single week live so I can see all the students from everywhere so it gave us something to do every week to talk. We talked through the entire pandemic every mm -hmm. single week. And it was it was fantastic. And it's still fantastic. Now it's like the thing that I look forward to is my weekly live session every single weekend. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did it from from the hotel while I was stranded in in uh, Helsinki. Um, oh wow. So it's 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 wonderful. Um and it was a savior in, in so many ways for me, for them, um, and still is for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I found out that I really love sharing the process of photography. You know, I, I teach in the course, of course, mm -hmm. but um, I get to hear from students. I give them assignments. Uh, they, to, they go through the process of shooting the assignments. Um, and it's not like, you know, you shoot an assignment and you just turn it in. We go, through, we, we take our time and I go through and have them, you know, show me where they are in the assignment, and we go discuss those things. And this is the mm -hmm. feedback of everybody from all over the world. This past weekend, I had this whole uh, plan for what I was going to teach, but turned into a whole hour of Q and A mm -hmm. because everybody needed Q and A sessions, and uh, it was wonderful. So that yes. helped me a lot through the pandemic. Kept me sane. Kept me uh, inspired. Also. Um, there were, I remember the first, that first year of COVID, I gave every, this is very, this is early on. Now I live in Japan and where we start wearing masks, you know, right away when the predict hit. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, people, we're still wearing masks. Mm -hmm. Even now, here we are, you know, uh, July, 2022, we're still wearing masks and, um, well, inside anyway, you gotta wear a mask, uh, but still people outside, you can wear, most people are still wearing a mask outside as well. Mm -hmm. Even though they said a month ago, you don't have to wear a mask outside. People are still wearing a mask. It was intense, but I gave an assignment of everybody early on in the pandemic before you knew what was happening to take a picture of themselves in a mask. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I first got the assignment, people were like, what are you talking about? And, 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 and then lo and behold, it became this thing like, wow, you saw you saw this early on. I'm like, actually, no, guys, I didn't see that. I just happened to like think, oh, it's kind of very interesting to do an assignment like this. You know, do a self-portrait of yourself with, with yourself, of course, with, uh, with a mask on. And some didn't do the assignment. Some did. But later on down the line, people like, wow, you really saw something back then. You knew it was coming. I'm like, I, did, I had no idea it was coming, but... It was a very interesting assignment. Then we did another one to do pictures. It was like April 2020 of just washing your hands, portraits of washing your hands. Mm -hmm. And that was a very interesting assignment and seeing all the pictures that came from it. So we had this documentary of, as this whole group of people around the world, photographers around the world, going through and shooting pictures, even that whole remote thing that was happening in the very <laughs> beginning. Remember that? Yes. We had discussions about that and shooting, you know, shooting portraits that way. Uh, nobody talks about any of that anymore. We have all that documented through assignments, you know, nice. now uh, in the process of doing that. Kind of crazy.
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think the COVID just changed our mentality a little bit, right? Really and did. and we but I think the good thing that humans I think can adopt quickly to the new situation. I know it's frustrating at the beginning and it's um something that you know it's hard to cope with, but you know, after a few weeks you kind of get used to the new ideas. I remember even uh, they're wearing the masks thing, which was my wife. Um, she she works, you know, in kind of the social media uh, sphere, and you know, she started she started getting those like you know nicely designed masks, and I'm like, what the hell is this, right? And then it's becoming this whole trend that every store was selling like own masks with all logos, and, yes. and this whole thing turning into like massive business, right? <laughs> um, so that's, that's kind brutal. of interesting how things evolve out of even like negative situation yeah. right so, yeah. so absolutely That's perfect cool. so we speak a little bit about it but would you mind and describe me like your creative process because like i've as i said i've been following your work and, and and you have some stunning images and based on my own experience i know ideas they don't kind of pop into your head like they need to be somehow developed right like you have one Absolutely. idea lead you to another idea and then you start kind of building on that foundation to some new stuff so tell me about like let's say you have some creative or you have some photo session with some celebrity and you have to come up with some ideas how I'm going to approach this person, how I'm going to shoot them, how I'm going to create something memorable and something which is going to stand out. Like, what's the process? Like, I, I, I'm really interesting about it because when I look at your images, I know this is not just, oh, you go and, you know, stand there and pose. Like, there is a lot of thought goes which goes into it and 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 the framing, the the colors, the, the the posing, the lighting, this whole thing has some kind of structure, which I can, well, be not recognize, but I can see that there was a lot of thought put into it. Yes, yes. Um, my process is, number one, studying photography, studying the past, mm -hmm. um, studying the person I'm about to shoot, whether it's a celebrity or whomever, or that there's a theme behind it. So I have, I have all these books here in photography um, to, to my right, and I pull from them all the time um, mm -hmm. and, and go to the libraries all the time looking at books. You know, there's some amazing bookstores here in Japan. Oh. Uh, I'm always like just going through and looking at photography, past photography, past photographers, studying great images and asking the question, what makes that image, you know, stand out? Like we see pictures today and we think about social media and it's, you know, seeing that one day and then forgetting the next day, but I want, I, I try to make a image that can stand the test of time, have mm -hmm. an iconic image and that takes thought. And um, I'll go through and, and look at, you know, not just photographs, but art, famous, famous mm -hmm. paintings and ask that question, why is that picture so powerful? Why does it stand out over all the billions of pictures we've seen why does that one image stand out? What makes you pause? And my job, I think, as a photographer is to, to have a visual voice, to tell the viewer how I feel about something visually. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm trying to do. Make a person pause, even for a moment, and say, oh, that's beautiful, or, or just stop in their day-to-day in their -day and just catch their attention for just a moment. 
And that's hard to do today with so much going on and so much, uh, you know, uh, so many images out there. How do you, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's my process. Just studying number one, mm-hmm. then trying to take it apart and add my twist to an image. Um, very often that's with light. Cause mm-hmm. I think light gives you a feeling. It's not, it's not just light. It's no. <laughs> the feeling that the light creates like right, right now, it's an overcast, rainy day in Japan, and it makes you feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. But when the sun's out and it's bright and it's beautiful, you also feel a certain way. But we're used to that every single day, so we don't really like, it's almost subliminal. But as a photographer, you have that power to affect how people feel, sometimes just with your light. If it's dramatic, if it's moody, if it's like, you know, bright and or if it's uh you know down you have that power and if you use that power wisely you can make some really powerful images Mm -hmm. so let's dive deeper into this question and if you could kind of describe how your style have changed over the years you know because you've been Uh, in this industry for many many years and i'm sure when you look back at your images or your creations like like I do this quite often. I, I remember whenever I go back to my images, which I shot at the beginning, I was like always like, what the hell I was thinking <laughs> and how I could see those things this way. Uh, but that's how we progress, right? How, how that's we change. True. It's an um, evolution. So, so first of all, how your style have changed over the years, but what is the most biggest change you've seen over the years that kind oh. of like, you know, you can like see in your work, okay, you know, this is how this whole thing kind of evolved over the years. It's funny. It's like my entire career has been an evolution for sure. I began my career just doing uh, fashion beauty Mm -hmm. only. And uh, a lot of it like being really tight beauty shots, Mm -hmm. uh, shooting just just models in the very beginning. And uh, Focusing on the beauty aspect because there's a whole world of, of amazing work within the beauty industry. You know, hair care, skin care, all the different aspects of skin care, eyes, lips, you know, makeup. There's a, there's a whole world, a whole career just in that. So my career at first was just beauty and lighting for beauty. Mm-hmm. And then that led to me getting assignments of shooting celebrities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to think outside the world of beauty uh, but that's what uh, captivated clients to hire me to do other things outside the world of beauty photography. And it was um, me looking at light differently beyond just the world of beauty um, and thinking about more like uh, beautiful portraits. So my lighting changed a little bit there. Uh, then I started getting other assignments, not just shooting women, but shooting men. My lighting changed again. And I started thinking about, okay, does everybody need to look this way or, or what does this light do? I started experimenting beyond just the uh, several different lights. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been the big change throughout my career is my evolution in lighting. Because at first I do like a lot of just, you know, big lights, uh, big beauty dishes, molar dishes in the very beginning, wow. then photo beauty dishes and um, and now I do a combination. I always loved harder light. I never liked soft boxes ever in my career. I never liked soft boxes. Good to know. Uh, 
And it's funny because I know that's the, like the number one modifier yeah. in the world is a, 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 a softbox. Yes. And I've never used that in my career, really. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I still tend to like harder, harder lights mm -hmm. uh, because they, they have a feeling that that feels more like me. I like that punch mm -hmm. in the light, uh, I like the clarity, I like the detail. And I get that type of uh, look with, with, my, with my images with a certain light. Also, camera, camera lenses. Uh, I think that was an evolution for me as well, mm -hmm. getting more into the lenses and what they do. And not just like, okay, a certain lens, but, you know, the, the, the sharpness of a lens at a certain mm -hmm. f-stop. You know, I, I, I have an assignment in my course where I have them go through and test their lenses at every f-stop and find out what's your sharpest f-stop or your favorite f-stop on every lens, mm -hmm. which is very interesting because, you know, every lens is different. It has a, a sweet spot for every lens. But you find out, you know, oh, I love this lens at that aperture versus this aperture. On this other lens, I like this aperture versus that aperture. Mm -hmm. And that kind of experiment changes your, your look also. I think over the last, you know, maybe five years, I've fallen in love with shooting wide open apertures. Where mm -hmm. in the beginning, you know, I wouldn't have done that at all because back then uh, with focus, with, with uh, you didn't, I didn't trust that I get a sharp image mm -hmm. if I shot lens as wide open. Um, and it's funny because I, I experimented back then doing some stuff. I remember doing an ad for L'Oreal uh, with Vanessa Williams, uh, uh, singer, actress, Vanessa Williams. And I was using, at the time, a, a Contax uh, 645 camera, which was a great camera, uh, film camera. And I'm shooting a lens uh, with like a 120 lens on that camera. I'm shooting at f4, which is wide open for that camera. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with the image, and L'Oreal loved it, Vanessa loved it, and it was a became an iconic image in my career. I'm like, oh wow, what makes that picture look so interesting? And I thought about the the painting of the Mona Lisa. And in a painting, you can have that look where it's just the eyes that are in focus and everything else goes soft. And it's mm -hmm. subliminal, but it's so beautiful when you dissect a painting like that. And shooting at a wide open aperture has that kind of effect. Um, now I shoot like with, like, uh, with, with Nikon and my favorite lens is a 105, or one of my favorite lenses is a 105. Um, and I shoot you know, at 1.4, wide open. Mm -hmm. and it's like the eyes are in focus, and the cheeks are out of focus wow. and they go soft and it's just so beautiful. So the last like, you know, I guess four or five years, I fall in love with shooting that way. Mm -hmm. And also like, you know, the newer cameras that make it very easy to nail focus all the time. Where before, yes. like, you know, manually focusing, it was, you know, kind of hard to do Different that. Story, yeah. uh, today it's, it's, it's fairly easy. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit, because I think, well, we both went for that transition when you went yeah. from film to digital, because oh, for man. me, like I started with film, like for like, I think three, four years. And then I switched into like the digital actually came along and then I, you know, bought my first digital camera. As you probably remember the first ones, they were not even close <laughs> to what we have today. But, Nothing at all. But I remember, you know, the, the, 
the feeling of having the camera, there is no limits, right? When it comes to amount of images yeah. you can take, the, the, you can see what you're getting. That was just like discovering completely different world. So like with, because you, at that time, you were already established photographer. You've, you've been working on some big projects. How that transition looked for you? Like it was easy, it was hard. Because I remember also a lot of photographers, they're fighting back. Like I remember like the digital is never going to be good as film. Like there's no way. And then slowly they started kind of getting kicked out out of industry or maybe not kicked out, but if they didn't transition, they were like really struggling Yes. Because uh, nobody yes. wants that. So how that transition looked for you? It was funny. I was one of the guys who was like kicking and screaming into, into digital as well. I was like, you know, I loved my film. I still love film, as a matter of fact. I, I was looking at some of my old film archive, even last night, my time, which is kind of funny, um, and, and, uh, and finding some like really great stuff in that. But I do and did a lot of advertising. Mm -hmm. uh, and for advertising, uh, back, in, back in the day, you were shooting uh, chrome, um, mm -hmm. color, negative, uh, color uh, uh, slide film. And slide film is very unforgiving. You must nail exposure exactly. There's no leeway. Like you shoot color negatives, you have leeway, like with digital, you have mm -hmm. leeway, you know, uh, being overexposed, unexposed, no problem, you can get it. Not with film. When you're shooting slide film, you must get it exactly right. It was unforgiving. So you learn that way. Uh, it teaches you a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I finally started shooting with uh, digital, it helped me having that background coming from film and shooting um, you know, with, with, with chromes and having to be exact on exposure. And I still have that same mentality today when I shoot my digital. I shoot exactly the same way. I use a light meter. I teach my students to use a light meter as well. I think that's essential uh, for, for me in terms of nailing pictures and also saving time. Mm -hmm. um, the process, like, you know, if you're shooting a celebrity, uh, with some celebrities, you have limited time, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, depending on who you're shooting and how well you know them. Um, and you can't waste five minutes trying to get your exposure. And, and it also looks unprofessional. Yes. So I can use a light meter, then my exposure in five seconds, and then go right to work. And sometimes those first images you get in that moment are the magic. Yes. And like if you're spending like, you know, five minutes trying to get your exposure, look at the, at the picture on the computer or the back of the camera, you're wasting five minutes where you could have gotten the most iconic, powerful image of the day, but you waste that in five minutes trying to get the exposure. Mm -hmm. I want to get the moment right away and capture it. Um, so the transition again, to get back to your question, it was, it was um, I was kicking and screaming going into it, but I remember doing a, a, a shoot. I went to India for a month and I took 200 rolls of film with me. It was vacation. And I remember going through, I went to like 17 different airports on that trip. And it was painful trying to get through security with 200 rolls of film. This is like 2004, 2005. I'm in India. The tsunami happens while I'm there. Um, and I said, okay, I'm going to change to digital. So after that trip, I changed to digital. 
And uh, it's funny now thinking about that because, you know, now, like, you know, uh, it has made your life so much easier. You know, uh, I went, as in, you know, Italy shooting. I have my uh, Nikon Z9. Mm-hmm. Um, going through airports and stuff is just a breeze. Well, in terms of getting to security with, with cameras, it's easier now. It's not easy in terms of getting to an airport anymore, but it's, uh, in terms of cameras, it's easier. Yeah, it's easier. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, so you speak a little bit about um, working with celebrities, and I want to kind of dig in a little bit more. Um, so like I didn't work with too many celebrities. I, I've worked with few on Can- Canadian, you know, soil. Um, so how you approach those type of shoot? Because I remember, again, this is just my experience. I was super stressed, right? You just entering into the room with someone who is really known. You don't know how they're going to act. You don't know how they're going to treat you. Um, how you approach. And if you could also share maybe some interesting stories working with some celebrities oh, a lot. you have a lot <laughs> i i know but I, i yeah like i'm not expecting we're going to share all of them but maybe you can pick one or two um you know which kind of sticks to your mind and, and and you're willing to share those i have so many stories about celebrities you know uh from from, from angelina jolie uh who, who was here right before covid she was here like uh in in tokyo uh 2019 was was it or 2018 it's it's funny but uh you know being being an american in japan i get even more chances to see celebrities because of you know i i stand out on american in tokyo so people think about me for shoots you know, when they come here um um but oh yeah stories about celebrities i've got so many and in terms of like how i approach the job It's, I feel like, and I think because I came from the beauty world, I think about it as the team around the photographer, hair, makeup, stylist, we are the ones who create this, this illusion of beauty. Mm-hmm. And many celebrities understand that, you know, most people don't get to see that celebrity in person. Mm-hmm. All they get to see is an image. Either that image is in a moving image, like in a movie, um, mm-hmm. like Angelina Jolie, or you see a photograph of them. And they understand that that image is what people see more than anything else. Yeah. So we're part of that inner circle that makes that image come to life and represents them. Mm-hmm. Now, to get them to trust you, you have to be part of you get to learn how to become part of that inner circle. And that means you, you treat them like you treat anybody else. And mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't approach them like, oh my God, this is this big celebrity and I'm nervous about shooting them. No, you got to approach it like, okay, this is my assignment. How am I going to make them iconic in this image? And if you go into that shoot with that point of view, you're thinking about the shoot and they feel that, they see you as a professional And they work to help you get a great image. Um, mm-hmm. There are times when they may not want to do a photo shoot. But when if you approach it a certain way and your energy during the shoot will dictate everything from the first mm-hmm. moment you meet them. I photographed Aretha Franklin for the last 13 years of her life. I was looking at uh, the film archive of images I shot of her last night. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at Polaroids that I shot. You know, you know, for Polaroid, there's just that one image. 
And back in the day, you were like, oh, it's a Polaroid. You just you know, throw it to the side. Today, that Polaroid is probably more valuable than even a film. You know, mm -hmm. if you think about like, you know, historically what it is and what it means, and it's only one, you can't make another copy. It's just that one single image. Yeah. It changes how you feel about the, the Polaroid. And yeah, for Rita, when I first met her, she was she was had a reputation of being very difficult to work with. Mm -hmm. But when I first got the assignment, and I'd heard stories for years about how hard she was to work with. I um, started doing research like anyone, everybody, mm -hmm. and found out that she loved yellow roses. So I sent her roses. I sent her yellow roses the day before the first shoot. And my first shoot with her was like, I think, 2004, 2005, um, 2006, somewhere around that time was my first time shooting her. And the day before the shoot, I got a call and it was from her, not her manager, not her agent, it was from her, which kind of surprised me. It's my call me like that. And she just wants to say, I want to thank you for the flowers. They're so beautiful. And we had a conversation on the phone, just Aretha Franklin and me, and we bonded right then and there. And then I finally met her in person for the shoot. Um, I shot her, I gave her a gift of my, my first book. I gave her that book. We had a great time. Um, and then she, at the end of the shoot, she said, this is my number. If you ever need anything, give me a call. I'm like, huh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I remember hearing that she was going to be in, in New York city in, uh, for three days doing, uh, three days of concerts. So I called her and said, I'd love to just follow you around and document your life for three days. And she said, yes. And I spent three days with her bonding, you know, in the car of her, with, in backstage with security, everything, just documenting everything. And we had so much fun. And that led to 13 years of working with her nonstop, uh, you know, to the very end, to the very end. And we were planning a shoot at the moment she passed away. We were planning a shoot. Um, hmm. And which is kind of crazy thinking about all that. I, I went to the funeral, everything. The whole, so I have I have this whole archive of amazing work on her. Mm -hmm. um, in the very beginning, a lot of that film work was film. And then it turned into digital. So I had this archive of film images of her. And this archive, of course, digital images of her as well. And it's just mm -hmm. wild seeing all of that. But every every job, every celebrity, I've got, you know, I've shot hundreds of celebrities over the years. I've got stories for each and every one of them, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of friends right now. Um, mm -hmm. I had one celebrity who just just a couple of months ago, their uh, son moved to Japan, was trying to get here for a while because of school, couldn't get in here, and finally got in the country. So she was calling me to find out about you know uh, life in Japan and what it's like. And we still talk all the time now because her son's here and in Japan. I met him when he first got here and showed him around a little bit. So you build these relationships with people. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's fun. It's now like, you know, people now know me for shooting celebrities, even though I started shooting beauty. And it's led to so much. Uh, last year, this time, as a matter of fact, okay, it's, it's July 13th, 2022. Um, last year, July 15th, I uh, made photographic history. I was assigned by the International Olympic Committee mm -hmm. to live in the Olympic Village and document the life of athletes. They never let anybody in there full time. People could come in for like a, a few hours and shoot and they'd have to leave, but nobody 
was ever allowed to live in the Olympic Village. It was a, a safe zone for all the athletes and everybody else. But the IOC said, okay, um, this is the first pandemic, you know, Olympic. We want to document everything. So they hired me, and I don't shoot sports at all. They hired me to live in the village with the athletes and document life. And it was a fantastic assignment. So I'm shooting celebrities, but I also shoot icons in different worlds. And that's, that's led to me getting really interesting assignments throughout my career. Uh, a few years ago, I, was, I got an assignment to shoot um, 75 actors and directors in China. Mm -hmm. That was a super wild assignment. And um, shoot, I could do anything I wanted to do. I had, a, I had an amazing client who hired me. They flew me over first class, flew my entire team, and were there in their compound, my client's compound living. Uh, we have state-of-the-art studio. And when I first got there, they had, they had all kinds of lights. And they had, no kidding, 100 soft boxes. Okay. <laughs> so when I walk in, and my, whole, my, my assistant's like, they're like laughing, like, have you seen the, the equipment room? I'm like, no. So we go back and when I see it, it's like a hundred, I kid you not, a hundred soft boxes. So I tell my client, I can't use these. They went out and bought the lights for me that, that I wanted, you know, anything mm -hmm. I wanted, they just bought everything. And uh, it was just a wild, wild, it's like, I've never had a job where I could just do anything I wanted to do. Like, you know, the sky's the limit. It was mm -hmm. that type of assignment. So I'm shooting all these celebrities and, and directors, famous directors in China. And I can't speak the language. They can't speak the language back to me, most of them anyway. Mm -hmm. But photography, you have this, you have this connection that happens. And you don't need the, the language you have. You know, there are other ways to communicate, you know, sight, sound, touch. And I use the other ways to communicate. And that made it such an amazing assignment. I, I got fantastic, incredible iconic images from that assignment that um, that I absolutely love. And a lot of those images I went back to like going from about uh, going back to your history, I go back and study pictures of like, you know, Irving Penn and Avedon, people who I love, uh, Horse P. Horse, amazing photographer. I studied their work and iconic portraits. I bring my own spin to shooting because I have, you know, you have 75 directors and actors. You do anything you want to do. What do you do? So yeah. I was going back through history and looking at iconic images and putting my spin on uh, doing images that way. Mm -hmm. Fun assignment. That's that's amazing. Well, it's it's really fascinating uh, story. So, could you share with me one of well, I, you share one of the assignments, but like you're not only shooting portraits. You you started with beauty. You, you you then you shoot celebrities. You you shoot athletes. But is there any like a particular assignment you've done which really stands out, or something that really kind of is close to your heart? Like I'm sure there's a lot of them, but if you could there's maybe pick one which really kind of you know is is. Kind of I, I love that question because uh, I think as a photographer, you, you have to always, always shoot personal work as well. Mm -hmm. You can't just do work because if you do, you will burn out because you're shooting uh, work for a client and you have a different hat on, but you have to do the thing that got you into photography as well. 
And for me, that's my personal work. Uh, those are the assignments that I love the most. Um, mm -hmm. I have work that is more in the fine art world, and that's my personal work. Mm -hmm. And with that work, it's me being free to do what, what feeds my soul. Mm -hmm. And that work I've been shooting forever. Um, and it's, 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 it's fantastic. I'm, I'm actually now working on my, my biggest project ever, mm -hmm. um, which is a documentary. Um, I can't go into the details of the documentary, but right now I'm trying to raise funds for the documentary um, mm -hmm. and bring it to life. And it's, 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 that's probably my most interesting assignment at this very moment in my, mm -hmm. you know, 35 year career. It's that working on uh, putting it together, working with the images that, that I want to do, uh, which come from my personal work as mm -hmm. it's, it's what feeds my soul. Uh, mm -hmm. I hope that answered your question, but yeah, I've, I, I've got so many amazing assignments that have happened. Um, and also just even like with the assignments, it's not just the assignment. Uh, mm -hmm. Very often it's, it's the networking that comes along with it. Um, because I do um, celebrity fashion, beauty portraits, um, a lot of times things happen uh, through dinners, getting to know people through a dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, there's a lot of uh, of that. Uh, all last week I was out. Even even this week, beginning of this week, I'm out um, at dinners every night uh, with with new clients, with potential new clients, um, and they're just getting to know you in Japan, in Asia. People want to get to know you, and that happens. Well, America too. Um, that happens through dinners, uh, where you can like you know let your hair down, so to say, yeah. and and <laughs> with my bald head here, and and they get to know you as a person, as well as photographer, and you can talk about you know your ideas, and mm -hmm. I think people fall in love with you that way as well, and it leads to having not just one job, but having a series of jobs, which leads to like, you know, having years and years of work from one client and, and relationships mm -hmm. and friendships with clients. That's how my entire career has been. And uh, even through the pandemic, you know, uh, I had celebrities like saying, oh, we're waiting for you to come back because I, I only want to be shot by you, you know, which mm -hmm. is kind of wild to hear stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it feels good also to have stuff like that happen. Uh, well, wow. there is definitely a lot of trust, right? If someone wants definitely. to work with you, that means they really, really trust you. And that's what I've learned with my clients, that if they're coming back, you know, they don't want to work with somebody else. That means they, they, the bond they is created you. and they, they trust you. Absolutely. Yes. And it's not just about the image. It's about the feeling that happens. Like, you know, you see a picture of a celebrity by whomever, whatever photographer. Mm -hmm. It's not just that picture that happens when you're shooting. You're there for the entire day. And the photographer, the, our job is to create an experience. Mm -hmm. And your clients, they remember the experience of the photo shoot, not just the, the, the image. The, the image is that one second that happened throughout that day or throughout that, you know, that period of time. But if you create an amazing experience where they they bond with you, they remember not just the picture, but the great time they had working with you 
And that leads to you having clients over and over and over again. Absolutely. Someone told me with one of my interviews that you have to become um, person uh, person photographer. Like you have to know people before you you start yes. before you start becoming a photographer. So I think that's, that's very true. You have to know how to connect with people, how to interact with them, how to, I don't know, be memorable for them, right? And then create yeah. an impression that at the end of the day, they remember uh, remember you more than they remember the, the shots you, you took, right? That's true. And that happens through conversations. Like very often when I'm doing a shoot of celebrity, I am talking about life situations. I remember like, you know, shooting back in New York after 9-11. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're famous or not. Everybody goes through this experience. Like everybody in the world now is going through COVID. We all have stories based on stuff that has happened in the past three years now. Mm -hmm. uh, celebrity, everybody, we all have these stories. You know, we all have family. Uh, we all now know somebody, if not us, who has gone through COVID maybe several times like me. Um, we may have all lost somebody who we love through COVID. Mm -hmm. So those are great conversations to have and discuss and, and bond person to person on a human level. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I do in shoots. It's a matter of celebrity or it's uh, a brand new model or a person who's just like, you know, um, a regular citizen. Doesn't matter. You know, you have those conversations mm -hmm. and they lead to you creating a, a bond with the person and you get great images in the process, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So um, let me kind of switch the gears a little bit. And I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, what is the one thing you wish you knew um, when you started taking your photos? So like, you know, would you change? Would you have something there, which, you know, I wish I knew that before you got into this whole photography uh, business? And I know those things are evolving over the years, right? But what would be the one thing which you really uh, would like to wish you know before you jump into this whole uh, photography business? That's so funny you asked that question. I, I got a, a message from a stranger yesterday on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And his photographer, he said, he asked me that same question. And it's so funny. And I told him the one thing I wished I knew at the start of my career is, is how powerful your own voice is as a photographer. Now, by voice, I mean um, our images that we make. I think when you first start out, you're just trying to, uh, you know, we all cut what we see. You see it all the time. But in the beginning of your photography journey, you're trying to copy everything you see. You see a picture you like, you want to copy that picture. Um, and, oh, how's that shot? What's the f-stop? What's the lighting? You want to copy that image because you admire that image and you want to create an image like that. And that leads to everybody copying somebody else's style. Mm -hmm. And I did that in the very beginning because I'm trying to learn, like, oh, how's that, how's that lit? How do you do that? How do I learn how to use this lighting? And you learn that way. But in the very beginning of my career, I wish I understood that my voice, how I feel, and how I show how I feel as a photographer is the most powerful 
voice you have. If you want to stand out from everybody else, if you come and copy everybody else, you don't stand out. You stand out by making your pictures look and feel like you. We all have our fingerprint. Every person in the world has their own unique fingerprint. Mm -hmm. And once you identify your visual fingerprint, what you like, not no, no, not what you like, what you love, what you really, really love, and learn how to express that visually, that changes everything. Then you stop, you stop copying stuff, and you start shooting how you feel about something. So you got to ask yourself, what do you really feel passionate about? As a person, think about photography. What do you feel passionate about as a person? What makes you have a reaction to something? What's the last movie that made you cry? What happened in that movie that made you cry or feel something or fear something? If you can put that emotion that you have as a person in your pictures, it's extremely powerful. And it's life-changing, it's career-changing. I wish I knew that at the start of my career. So how many years it took you to understand that? <laughs> it, it probably at least 15 at least 15, 15 years maybe 20 years before it really hit me about yeah. about the, the power of your visual voice i now go every year or the last uh three has been it's been in, uh over zoom but there's a workshop called the eddie adams workshop uh, mm -hmm. uh they it's a photojournalist workshop but they pick the 100 of the best photojournalists young photojournalists around the world. Um, you, you can't, you don't pay for it. It's, it's, a, it's a sponsored by corporations, but they pick a hundred students from around the world. They fly them all to New York City, actually to New York, to uh, uh, upstate New York. And you had this, this very intense workshop uh, with the best photo editors in the world. Um, I've been one of the judges or one of the one of the teachers in that workshop for the last uh, four years now, and it's absolutely incredible because mm -hmm. um, you had the the best editors, best photographers, all together in one place. We're all staying together in this in this farm. We call it the farm, and we talk about all this stuff and these ideas, and you get all this history. Um, you know, Eddie Adams was a photographer who shot this iconic image during a uh, Vietnam war. He's passed away a long time ago, of course, but his, his, uh, his, uh, his wife has uh, the workshop his his widow. And it is one powerful, powerful workshop mm -hmm. where you see the best of the best up and coming photojournalists around the world. You know, in photojournalism, very different from what I do. Mm -hmm. um, but it's the same thing about learning how to use your visual voice and shoot things from your point of view. You know, how somebody else sees something is one thing. How you see it is special. And when you put your voice, your visual voice as a photographer into your images, it pulls people into your work and they feel what you feel in that picture. When you can learn how to show people how you feel, in a picture, that is probably the most powerful thing you can learn. Beyond learning 
lighting and photography and all that other stuff that we learn about. You got to learn that stuff too. That's just the beginning. The core stuff is your visual voice. So yes, learn photography, learn lighting, learn all the rules, learn how to break the rules, all that stuff. And then go to that next step. A lot of people learn photography and get stuck just, just in photography. But you got to be go beyond that and get to how you feel about something and put how you feel in that image that changes everything. Yeah, that's that's amazing advice. And I hope everyone who is listening to this should literally write that down and read every morning before they pick up the camera. Um, so you have over, as you said, 35 years of experience and you've been inspiring a lot of people and a lot of photographers. So my question now is who inspires you? Who influenced oh, wow. you as a photographer? There are a lot. There's a long list of photographers who inspire me. Uh, I'm just thinking about one photographer I've never mentioned before who inspired me. I'm not sure why I was thinking about this guy, but uh, his name is Sante Dorazio. Mm -hmm. And when I was a young photo assistant, I started my career being a photo assistant, meaning I was the guy who was carrying all the bags, doing all the grunt work, cleaning the studio. I started my career that way, working as a photographer's assistant. Mm -hmm. And um, early on, I was working as a photographer's assistant and we were working on Victoria's Secrets uh, assignments all the time. Mm -hmm. And back then, Victoria's Secrets was a, a catalog for lingerie for women that was the hottest lingerie catalog in America at the time it was like big. All the supermodels were doing, back when they were supermodels, all the big supermodels were doing Victoria's Secrets. And I worked for a photographer who was shooting for Victoria's Secrets. Uh, and he did a lot of great work, but the photographer who was famous for shooting Victoria's Secrets was Sante, Sante Dorazio. Uh, I never met him. I met his wife because she was one of the photographers, she was one of the models in Victoria's Secrets. And we became friends, we're still friends. Mm -hmm. But uh, Sante was doing all the big shoots with all the big models for Victoria's Secrets. And I fell in love with his light, the way he approached uh, lighting. And that had a huge influence on me. I didn't really, really realize that until maybe this past week when I was thinking about, oh wow, Sante is the one who was shooting this way and shooting that way. And I love that that look of images that he was doing back then, still does. Um, mm -hmm. And I saw something uh, online about him recently. I followed him like, oh, wow, Sante Dorazio. I remember him and all that work. So, But there are many photographers who I've had uh, uh, that, that inspiration from. Gordon Parks, um, Sante Dorazio, uh, Irving Penn, okay. uh, Horst P. Horst. Richard Avedon. I mean, the list goes on. I've gone through, you know, uh, oh, Jurgen Teller. Jurgen Teller just got his book. A friend gave me his book as a gift, uh, his latest book. Um, and I was just going through this book. This book is, is massive, um, crazy. I mean, it's packed with images. But this guy's talk about a visual voice. When I first saw his images, and the first images I remember seeing of his were, in, were 
in Vogue, uh, Italian Vogue, American Vogue, uh, uh, British Vogue. And I saw the ads, he was, and they were big ads. I'm like, I hate this guy's work. <laughs> I saw they were ugly images. And I was like, I was like, I was so appalled at first seeing the work. I'm like, who was this photographer when I first saw the work? I had to look him up. I'm like, he's in there every single month doing these ads. But then it came to the point where I could see his work and I knew right away, that's Jurgen Taylor. Mm-hmm. And I started going through the work. I'm like, what is it about this work that makes me pause and stop and take a look? If you think about the world of fashion, beauty, that's always all this beautiful, beautiful work. And then you see something that's almost the opposite of that, almost very raw and, and not, you know, finessed, not perfect hair and makeup, but the opposite. It does make you stop. Mm-hmm. Jurgen Teller has found his voice and is not afraid to show. I mean, this book is just insane. I mean, insane. Uh, my friend Gus gave me this, this book. And Gus, thank you so much if you're seeing this ever. This is this book is just insane. I've got so many books like this, but this one, whoo. <laughs> so yeah, I've got many uh, uh, photographers who inspired me from beginning of my career to now, not only uh, photographers, but painters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always going to see a show. I'm going to see shows all the time. I'm going to go see an exhibit today. It's raining. It's out. So I'm like, okay, it's a good day to go to a gallery and see a show. I see shows all this time, mm-hmm. uh, exhibits all the time. You got to feed your, your soul um, or, you, or you stop growing. You got to grow all the time. In photography, you never learn it all. When you think you've learned it all, that's when you're dead. Yes. You gotta grow all the time by feeding your feeding your mind with, with ideas and images and trying new stuff. Sometimes you try will work, sometimes it won't work, but you just gotta keep trying and you know, not get not resting on your laurels. You can't you can't mm-hmm. never you can never rest and like say, Okay, yeah, I know it all and I'm I'm a <laughs> I'm a pro and no, take classes. Go on a photo walk. I was gonna go on a photo walk, I'm like, okay, um, it was nobody famous at all. Just like, you know, so these regular photographers doing a photo walk. And I wasn't going to join it, but it started to rain. I'm like, okay, I won't do it this time, but I'll go next time. But, you know, just do go to workshops. Mm-hmm. Always go to workshops. You always learn. Um, you got to also be around other people who are learning as well. I think mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Um, do, do, do courses. Like, you know, my course, photography lighting course, um, I love it because I get to interact with photographers all over the world mm-hmm. all the time. Um, I get to know their work. I get to like dissect their work. I get to, uh, you know, have interaction with them every single week and, and hopefully have an influence. Mm-hmm. So, so always seek knowledge. Yes. So do you think photography is not like a career? It's like a life assignment. Like it's just ongoing thing which never ends we have to enjoy the process itself and we have to just as you said and this is really inspirational for me that you have to find yourself into this whole process you have to find your voice you have to find the way you see things the way you know it it, it's amazing because i kind of thought about it but i never heard it so clearly like how you describe this so 
I have to say thank you for for kind of putting words into the feelings because you know sometimes we feel things but we cannot really um, articulate them. But I think in this yes. case you you really know how to kind of not only find a voice but also um, you know kind of express it. So that's 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 really amazing. So um, my you. next question is um, because you are. I don't want to call it word expert because that, I don't think that's a good word, but you 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 really specialize in some one of the kind uh, portraits. So what is your best photography tip for a good portrait? I don't want to talk about Ooh. equipment and lighting, but is there anything you could like to share? You know, what would be the best tip to get a good portrait? To get a good portrait? This yes. is, wow. Um, that's a great question. I think my tip is to find the one lens that you can work with and stick to that one lens because you do want to create this, this you want to create a feeling that people can look at the picture and know right away that's shot by you. Mm-hmm. So find your perfect lens for portraits, find your favorite light for portraits and just perfect working with that one lens and that one light mm-hmm. or that one setup and do it over and over again until you have it down pat where you can go anywhere in the world and in five minutes, set that up and get a great portrait. I think you've got to have that because mm-hmm. sometimes you'll have, you know, all day to get a portrait. Sometimes you'll have maybe five minutes. What's your setup in five minutes that you can shoot a great picture anywhere in the world? I think you got to have that. There are times when I had to shoot in hotel rooms or in, I remember I had to do this portrait of this guy was extremely, he was at the point, he was the richest man in the world at that moment. And I had 10 minutes to shoot him and we're, we're put into a hotel room. There's all the security, you know, they wouldn't tell us we were shooting until a tense before the shoot, you know, I had to be in a certain area and I got a phone call, come here to this room, super, super tight security. Set up in five minutes, shoot five minutes. You need that, that go-to situation that we can get a great portrait in any situation. So find your, your one light, find mm-hmm. your one lens so you can shoot in that situation anywhere in the world. I think you got to have that. And I think once you have that, you can have really great success in any situation. For me, uh, so 105 lens on my Nikon Z9 uh, with a beauty dish or a CLX10 constant light. Um, I, I love all types of light, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, the CLX10 is a small light. It's by light and motion. And it allows me to like, you know, bring my son anywhere, basically in a small room and get a great, amazing shot. Mm-hmm. One stand, one small light. It can put, it can fit into a backpack if I want to, you know, and walk into any situation and great get insanely amazing images. Mm-hmm. Uh, learn how to work with different types of light. Find out what type of light you like best. People use a softbox because everybody uses a softbox. But do you like it? You no. Know, find out what you like, and then use that light and figure out what's best for you. I mean, there's nothing wrong with softboxes, but just find mm-hmm. out what you like best. What's your favorite modifier? Use it in as many ways as possible. 
can so you can discover what you like. Mm-hmm. If you just use one light one way, you don't know what you like. You're just shooting what somebody else has done or taught you, and you haven't experimented to find out how you like it. Experiment, take it apart, break the rules, find out what you like, and then once you like it, stick with that thing. Absolutely. So I have a couple more questions. Um, cool. Now I'm going to dumb down a little bit because I wait with that question <laughs> the last moment because most of the people, they want to get this, you know, here at the beginning. But let's talk about your favorite equipment, about your favorite gear. Oh, um, oh. I, I know I really, I'm not saying I don't want to talk. I don't like talk about it. I, I, I do. But I think... <laughs> the way we had this conversation, now I think people realize the equipment is just a little element of this, you know, big picture, right? Yes. That's yes. why I left that at the very, very end, because if someone got to this point, they will kind of look at this, I would say, a little bit uh, different. So what is the favorite equipment for you when you shooting assignments today? I know different assignments require uh, different equipment, but let's kind of maybe focus on your portrait work. What is your favorite go-to gear you're using for those type of shoots? Uh, my favorite gear right now, my my definitely hands down, camera-wise, my Nikon Z9. Mm-hmm. I think throughout my career, you know, I've shot a lot of different cameras. Uh, the Z9 is such a breakthrough camera. I wish I had it last year during the Olympics. I mm-hmm. wish I'd had the Z9 during the Olympics. Oh, my God. Uh, I've never had a camera where I felt like, oh, I wish I could have, if I could go back in time and go back to get a camera, this camera makes it feel like that. I wish I'd had this camera back in, like, you know, 2000, 2005. I wish I'd been, you know, I could go back in time and take this yeah. camera with me. Yeah, That's how I feel about that camera. I love it so much. Um, Lens-wise... Um, the 51.2, I absolutely freaking love that lens. The 105, 1.4 lens, I freaking, those are my go-to lenses. You have all kinds of lenses. Those two, fantastic pieces of gear for me. In terms of lights, I use a lot of different types of lights. I use, uh, Profoto strobe lights. I love Profoto strobe lights, um. I'm known for using a beauty dish, but it's like one of the modifiers that I use a lot. I use a light and motion uh, CLX-10. I love that. It's a constant light source. I use a RE Sky Panel. I guess my Sky Panel right beside me. I have an RE Sky Panel, um, mm-hmm. which is mostly used for, you know, in the movie industry, cinema industry. Um, but as photographers, we can use light in different ways. I use mm-hmm. an RE Sky Panel. Um, uh, I, I love that gear. In terms of uh, tools, I cannot do a shoot without my Sikonic light meters. Mm-hmm. I'm a light meter person. I use light meters and I use color meters. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about light, um, like a color meter tells you like uh, the color rendering index. Like I want great color in my images. And there are, there are a lot of cheaper strobes out there, but the, street, the cheaper strobes don't give you great color. Mm-hmm. Like say you have like somebody in a green dress and a red backdrop 
you get the picture like, oh, why? The green is not the green that I want, or it's not the yellow or the red. And like, is, is it, can I get it in, in post? And the quality of the light won't render the color correctly because those lights don't have the efficiency to render the full range of color. A color meter tells you that. So I use a, a light meter to find out the, the CRIX, you know, the, the color rendering index. I want to find that out before I shoot, uh, find out that I can get a full range of color at the, you know, optimum uh, index range. I want to find out the exact exposure. Um, so I those tools are always with me. Color meter, light meter, um, the 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 light modifier of the moment, whether it's a constant light like a, a sky panel or a Celex 10 or or uh, or a Profoto beauty dish or Profoto strobes with um, a bronze color uh, modifier on it. Um, those are my tools. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So my final question is, what advice would you give you to young and starting photographers trying to succeed in the field of photography? I know you covered a lot of those things, but if you could maybe add something, what would be this like one advice for someone who is just watching this right now and like, okay, I want to become like you, you know, what advice would you give to those people? My advice is to, uh, to study all the time. There's, I think today we have more knowledge than ever before. Mm -hmm. um, definitely when I started out, we didn't have, there were no courses. There were no online courses. You couldn't talk to photographers. You couldn't get to them in person. It was impossible. Um, find a course that you can get into, you know, mine or anybody else, a course that you can get into and learn all the time. Um, do assignments all the time. Yes, you can do stuff by yourself. You can go on YouTube and find stuff and you gotta go deeper than that. Every, mm -hmm. that's like, I think YouTube is the least common denominator. Anybody can do that. Mm -hmm. And everybody is. And when you do that, you kind of stay in, in that middle ground. When you go above and beyond that, is when you go above and beyond. Invest in you. You, know, you. you invest in gear. Everybody invests in gear right away. And we all want to think, okay, I got to buy. I got to buy one more light. That's a mistake. I got to buy one more camera, one more lens. You know, it's great to get gear. The gear by itself is not going to make you a better photographer. Knowledge is going to make you a better photographer. So invest in you. Invest your money in you in your education. There's no way around it. If you learn on your own, yes, you might have success. It might take you five years, seven years to, to get there because you're doing it on your own. However, when you learn as a team of other people, it would take you two years. You'll cut your time down dramatically by, I would say it's about a team. Together, each achieves more. You've got to have a team. You can't do it by yourself. In photography, there's this misnomer thinking that, okay, yes, it's just photographer. You're doing it by yourself. When you go to see a movie, maybe it's a Steven Spielberg movie, and yes, he's the director. But at the end of that movie, you see this credit with 
all of these people who helped make that movie come together. It doesn't end. That's a team. Yeah. Same in photography. You need a team. Maybe you are the person taking the picture, but you need a team behind you, helping you with your education, with learning everything about it. You still need a team of some type. Nobody gets there by themselves. Absolutely. Amen to that. That was really inspiring advice. And I think, as I said, um, the, the one thing which really struck me is the education, which when I started photography, I think everyone goes through the same process. We focus on the gear. This is the focal point. And I think yeah. a lot of people getting lost in that, right? Because yes. there's always something more, more than ever. Yes. And more kind than of, ever before. And kind of overcoming this is one of the one of the biggest steps in success to, to, to achieve any success in photography. So I think that's yeah, thank you for, for, for that advice. Okay, I think we are running out of time. Um, thank you for this amazing conversation and this chat and all your inspiring um you know, information you, you have shared with, with, with me and everybody who's going to be watching this. I really appreciate it, um, your time and, you know, the dedication and, you know, just the fact you want to, um, you know, share those stuff, right? Because I think in today's DNA and, and in this industry, we really need people to speak up out those, speak out about those stuff, right? Because absolutely, as we, as we, as we discussed is, you know, we sometimes getting, caught up in this bubble and we have a hard time to kind of get out of this. And then we need people like you who kind of opened our minds a little bit. And then we can look at this whole photography thing from completely uh, different perspective. So thank you so much. And I really, really appreciated your time. Thank you. Pleasures by mine. Thank you. Thank you.